practice well we're about to go to our third practice today uh to get ready for the beginning of our safari or outdoor season or what could be or could it be yeah uh, it, it'll happen it'll happen yeah uh, our first event's going to be yuba city is going to be kind of like our warm-up event are you going to go yes cool because you're my ride <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all i am is wendell sherpa i gotta say for People out there that are still shooting right now, what do you think is the best bang for your buck to practice for these events? Like, what, what do you think you get the most out of? Is it tuning, going out there and, like, you know, finding the proper draw length or maybe finding a good, uh, you know, uh, stabilizer setup? Or, like, well, if you, you have to dedicate your day to... Um, you know, one thing, what would it be? Because not all of us have all day to do this. Like, for me, example, I only got a if, couple hours. If you only shoot. have one day, mm-hmm. then you need to make sure you have good marks. Good sight marks. Yeah, because, I mean, at, at least if you can do the same thing over and over again, uh, you know. Right, because you only is going to hit the spot, so you need to have good marks. So, you, that's, yeah, that's actually. If you're shooting a paper, if you're shooting a, a arrow through paper, or, you know, shooting a bullet hole, or, which is great. Um, or, you know, you're doing all this, like, other kinds of tuning methods and tweaking and tuning. It don't matter if you don't got a good set of marks. That's true. That You know what? A, I mean, wise, man, shit. a wise man once told me that there is a lot of forgiveness in a really good set of sight marks. And uh, I believe that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's what... You, when you look at the target, you range it, and it tells you that this is the distance, and mm-hmm. you shoot it for something that it's not, you're not going to hit the spot, no matter <laughs> how good you're... You know, you can shoot a well-tuned arrow into the, you know, into the 10. Okay, so you know, for... <laughs> 6 o'clock if your sight is off. Some people use Archer's Mark. Some people use Archer's Advantage. Uh, I use both i had somebody one time tell me like oh my god that shot looked amazing but you're out (laughs) (laughs) um i use archer's advantage do you use what's your program of choice um i love making sight tapes so archer's Uh, advantage advantage there's also a free um program online called x sight never used it uh it's pretty low budget but it'll allow you to punch in 10 different marks and I used that once uh, just because I didn't want to pay for Archer's Advantage. And it was pretty cool. It's $12 a year, man. I know. I ended up going to Archer's Advantage just because it's way easier. And you don't have to refine 10 fucking marks. And even at 10 marks, I mean, it's got to be all your crucial ones anyway. So I, I like to use uh, Archer's uh, mark to get like my initial marks. Like, uh-huh. like to just get a good set of marks and then start refining um, from there and then i'll take those marks uh and put it in uh, archer's advantage what two distances do you like and to, make a side uh, tape what two distances do you like to start with i like 20 and 60 and i know there's a lot of debate about you know oh you got to go to 80 or you need to go out there uh-huh. but like, i also like- I, I feel like the core of your shots are in that like correct i think you t- know like 35 to 65 yards 
It's gonna be right? a, a bulk that's, of the donut. That's your, that's your core, right? So you set your peep height to be optimal for that, you know, in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. You set your marks to be optimal in the middle of that, for the middle of that too. So, right. you know, like if we want to use Redding as an example, you only have to hit it once. Oh, like 101? You only have to, yeah, you only have to shoot Bigfoot once. True. You know, and that's 101 yards. True, but it does suck being the only guy to not well, hit Bigfoot. But that's just it, though. So you know what your long stuff is. That's right. right. And then you practice right. it. And then, and then thing is, is like I, I found for myself that just doing 20 and 60 is uh, gives gives me what I need, even at 100. Right. You know, if I do my job, execute properly, it'll hit the spot. Yeah, and uh, I think it's crucial. Like I like to shoot my 20 on a birdie. Uh, like the field target birdie it's like a tiny little dot and it sucks but you get a solid 20 mark and here's the thing people can shoot a solid 60 and then they half-ass the 20 and then their yes. long range is off I, then, I agree with you 100 percent on that one yeah. it's like I, I used to be like yeah whatever man like i used to write you off on that one i'm like yeah oh, but that's true definitely do not half-ass the 20 because it'll give you a cleaner like 80 yeah. um but I'm with you. I like the 20 and uh, 20 and 60, and then I'll verify at 80 when yeah. I get out to an 80, and then I'll verify at 100. Dave, Dave Cousins told me one time, like garbage in, garbage out. If you if you put in garbage, you're gonna get garbage out. That is you know, so true, and like on so many levels. And <laughs> but like, and I and I want to take it even a step further with that because I think people um, practice or make get marks outside of their wheelhouse. You know, outside. And oh that, yeah. That's not to like discourage anybody but like if you're you putting know, down an average uh, shooter like and you asked a question earlier like if you only have one day to practice right if you're not if you're not shooting every day like i can't imagine that you're shooting great groups at 80 right so you know i, right. I think i think you need to sh the longest distance should be whatever you are comfortable keeping them all in the x yeah right? keeping them in the x because that's a solid mark yeah, if, you if you're getting you can't a keep them in the spot, then you shouldn't be making a mark. Yeah, there. if you're at a hundred and your group's the size of a Chevy Volt, uh, you got no business Volt's calling that your Rocco. <laughs> yeah, you got no business making that your mark. I mean, you could, but if you want a solid mark, go to a distance that you can pound all X's on. It can it can be done. It's just not going to be. You're just not going to have a good stuff in the middle no. yeah yeah so that's a good one I, I like that you brought that up because uh you know what? i kind of overlook sight marks all the time i punch them in on the fly and that's not the really what you want to do is punch them in like a week early and then refine them well um in in all fairness like we are right now me and wendell have done the opposite of the advice that we just gave because we've been doing nothing but tweaking and tweaking for like the last three weeks with bars and, and stuff and so today, actually, we got to get marks. I think today we just got to like fit <laughs> yeah. to that because we have a week. So in a perfect world, yeah, I would say the marks are the most important thing. What and are the main things you've been tweaking on on your bow? Um, I've been actually messing around with draw length a little bit. Like uh, mm -hmm. 27 and a half is feeling a little long for me on the Invicta. So if someone out 26 there... 26 is feeling a little short, so I'm like kind of... So if someone out there is like, hey, my drawing length feels a little long, like what would you advise? Short, what would you do for yourself? Shorten it up. And you would do that via uh, well, letting twist out of the cable or would you put twist into your string? First thing I do, I, I wanna I wanna see where the extremes are first, right? So uh -huh. I, first thing I do is just move the module. Okay. And then if it just feels like completely bad, 
bent or yeah, if it feels would. slightly better but still not perfect or like you're bending your arm uh -huh. like well then i would then i would uh go back to the you got longer position and then shoot it again and see see how that feels and if it's feeling too long like we pretty much narrowed it down to like a half an inch there right uh-huh so then um depending on like what kind of cam system you're shooting um i would i would go to the shorter mark the shorter draw length uh -huh. And then I would add twist to the cables. Gotcha. Uh, it wouldn't, oh, okay, go to the shorter draw length. Twist to your cables will make your draw length longer. Yeah. So you go shorter module and then bring it out. And then and then what will happen there is you also increase uh, you know, holding weight. Or, mm. or I'm sorry, you increase the, the weight of the bow when you do that. Okay. So, then, so then if you, uh, so if there's like a certain target weight that you want to shoot for, you want to back out the limb bolts a little bit, which also cause it like, Know, a, a lengthening that's true of, of the drawing so you can actually like fine-tune that draw length in between there just by doing those two just things. by doing and then your limb bolts also uh, I saw a video once where Chance Bobef was he was trying to find like the perfect uh, draw length for his PSE Dominator this was like way back in the day yeah he got it really close and then he was like now I'm just gonna do like a half turn or a full turn I can't remember what it was on my limb bolts to get it feeling, you know, the distance or the draw length that I like, and I was like, "What?" Yeah. Was Dude, crazy. hunters, hunters are the hardest because they haven't, they have it in their heart set that they got to shoot seventy pounds, mm -hmm. right? Or and eighty, some, eighty or, in my or, case. Or, yeah, or ninety, you know, like uh, <laughs> like Emerson, it's hunting, you know. So, like, it, it, like they have it in their head that they got to shoot this, this this weight, but sometimes, like, you know, if if you wanted to fine tune your draw length. Yeah. I mean, most hunters aren't going to be taking it to that level. But, That's right. Um, Fiddle with that limb bolt a little bit. You can, you yeah. can mess well, with your Well, I mean, it's going to affect spine, too. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, and here's the thing. Like, everything's going to get affected there. So, right. like, thing is, is uh, I bought a set of cheap arrows just to, for, to do just this thing, right? Uh-huh. So, basically. As did I. Like, if I can get the draw length feeling perfect and feeling good for me. By yeah. doing those two things, okay, right? Then I can go out and buy a cheap arrow, like some carbon ones, or the, like uh -huh. the new Avance that's coming out from Easton. Uh -huh. Like then I can, you know, spend under hundred bucks, get spend right hundred bucks for a dozen arrows. Let's uh, and uh, hold on, let me finish this off. <laughs> yeah, goddamn it, calm down, Nate. <laughs> calm down, uh -huh. Wendell. Go on. No, so if we if we can just get like that, then play with the arrow to get the optimal spine, meaning with length and point weight. Right. Then, then. Uh, then, then you could go whole ass on yeah. some real arrows. Yeah, exactly. Then I'm gonna then I'll then I'm pulling the trigger and ordering some uh, uh -huh. X10s. Nice, nice. So you're gonna go X10 this year. You're not thinking of fiddling with a pro comp or? I might. You know, like I honestly, the X10 has just done so good for me for mm -hmm. so long. Like, uh huh. I, I, without like dropping any names, I've heard it from a guy who shoots. I got to practice with a, a really good shooter last year, and when uh, we asked him like, "Hey, you know, you have pro comps and X10s, so why aren't you shooting your pro comps for Redding?" He was saying, "Well, the X10 just shoots better," and so that was like, "We're like, hmm, interesting, interesting." And I think it's he's got both. I think you're gonna test them both, and for whatever that situation is, he's gonna go with the better. I mean, that's just kind of logic. But anyway. I also bought some carbon ones, some burner arrows, as you could call them. Uh, you know, like, so we don't discourage somebody, like, like because we're used to buying expensive stuff, like, like we're calling it a burner arrow, but at the end of the day, like, if that's what you can afford, like, I've been extremely impressed 
with that arrow. Like, yes. I mean, we've been throwing down some good scores. I have. Yeah, I, so I shot uh, a two handicap, which was, I don't know, like 10 down or something. Maybe uh, maybe 12 down last week with a Easton Carbon 1 on a full field round. That's pretty decent considering I got a fucking baby and don't get to practice all the time like I used to. But uh, no excuses. Uh, the Carbon 1. Although I, you just made one. I, I made a fat one. Um, the carbon one is just a burner arrow in my mind, but I'm gonna do everything I can to make it tune good. And if that is the the fucking arrow to shoot this year, then I will shoot it. You know, um, the guy that really sold these to me, like in my mind, was you and Jordan Barons. We shot with Jordan Barons up in Oregon. It's like two years ago. Two years ago, yeah, a long time ago. He was shooting carbon ones with Smith Brothers points and. Four Fletch. Four Fletch AAE. Yeah, and I think there are Four Fletch AAE, like 175s, right? And uh, Jordan just shot the brakes off of everyone shooting a premium arrow. It was. Well, and, and what I was impressed with is, like, I grabbed every one of his arrows out of his quiver and, like, started spinning them in my hand, and I was like, dude, you just, like... So so he, he took an already, like, great arrow and then just made sure that the, the set that he built was, like, perfect. Like, the ends are straight. Yeah, like he, you know. Yeah, well, let's go into So, what I did with, when I got my dozen carbon ones was I cut, because my draw length is so short, right? My arrow is going to be about 26 and a half inches. Most people can do something similar unless you're like a 30 inch draw length. And then I, I don't know what to say to you. I'm not going to help for you. But first thing I did was I took. You can't shoot a carbon one if you got a draw, a draw length tail on The 30 inch draw length? No. Because uh, they're okay, so because you, you'd probably need to be shooting a 380. If carbon you know, one is a 0.003, but I mean, it's a discontinued arrow now, so Avance will be the new one. Okay. And, I, and, and I'm a bad salesman here because, like, I don't remember what the stiffest spine on the Avance is. Well, so, we just haven't got our hands on one, yeah. We'll get our hands on one and fit, fiddle around with it, but it's a basically a carbon one's a 0.003 and uh, on straightness, so I cut two inches off the ends of, uh, of either side, uh, maybe two and a quarter. I can't remember exactly what it was. So my arrow length is 26 and a half. And then, um, you know, if there's any wobble, it's going to be in the middle. And then it's like, oh, well, what are you going to do? But as far as I can tell, it's on, it's on the ends. Nothing. Yeah. The ends are straight. So that's all that matters. The, no, no, I'm saying the wobble will be in the ends. Not the no, middle. it should be. It should be. I've seen a I've seen a, I won't name the brand, but I've seen some Mexican-made arrows that have a pretty hard bend right in the center. But anyway. They were doing la cucaracha. <laughs> yeah. And so I, uh, I uh, built these arrows. First thing I did was I put my points in, pin bushings. Um, I put gold tip points in because I, I want to fiddle with the uh, point weight. And I thought I'd start low. I have it on good authority. A wise old samurai told me uh, to put 100 grain points in because that's what he runs. He's also on the short end of a draw length. So I think he's like 27. Mark Rubio? Yeah. yeah. The Mark Rubio. And he uh, he said, I shoot 100 grain points. I've tried 120s. The groups don't look any better. I, I made Wendell promise that he wouldn't name drop Mark Rubio 50 <laughs> times in a podcast. So. So I'm just going to call him a samurai for now. For everyone that knows, samurai means Mark Rubio. And uh, uh, I... I went gold tip points, 100 grains, and then I spine indexed all of these. Now, I know, I think Mark does this through paper. I think he'll shoot them bare shaft through paper and then rotate the knocks and see what happens. I've heard Gillian... You know what? I don't... Honestly, 
I don't want to spill any Mark Rubio juice right now. Uh-huh. Hey, we should save that. Because Mark Rubio just needs to come on here and talk to us. Oh, that would be so sweet. I, I mean, like, if you guys are listening to this podcast, I want you to find him on social media and tell him you need to go on the Rudecast Archery <laughs> Podcast. Um, because, uh, like, I've already promised him a kidney. Would you... Wait, can you promise me that we can go, like, long on that podcast and, like... Oh, yeah. Really pick his brain? Because I would... I got so many questions for him. Yeah, sorry, man. Go ahead. Um, anyway, I went 100 grand point as per Mark Rubio, and uh, it's a gold tip point, so I can just add um, uh, little weights to it if I want to go up, and then I spine index them. So some guys do this via... Uh, I, Mark's not the only guy. I think I've heard Tim Gillingham say this also, where you shoot them bare shaft through paper, and then you rotate the knock until they're all hidden the same way. Uh, what I like to do is take a bunch of arrows when, you know, uh, when you got nothing Let to do. Let me ask you a question. When you did that, like, how how much knock twisting did you have to do, or were they, like, pretty, was it pretty, like... So for the carbon one, this is surprisingly one of the better arrows that I... I, I originally did this with VAPS, like, years ago, and I got my VAPS shooting really nice, like, stupid nice. Um, so I did this with the carbon ones. And you noctune those, basically. Yeah. Basically, that's all it is. Is, is You take your arrows with no veins. You go to a distance. With my VAPS, I did 50 yards. With my carbon ones, I did 30 yards. I shot them. And then, you know, you, you aim at a point. So you aim at the X on a target. You shoot it. It's not going to hit the X unless you're perfectly tuned, which I've seen some guys can do that. Mine are, like, normally an inch you know, at one o'clock, which is pretty decent. I'll settle for that. Um, but then I'll make a circle. <clears throat> I'll just pick, you pick any arrow, make a circle around it and then make the rest of them. You're going to knock, you're going to tur- turn the knock until they all fall in that circle. And I did that with my carbon ones. And so far they're shooting really nice. I fletched them up with Q2 eyes, 2.1s, uh, just cause they look cool. They're kind of big. Yeah. But um, I fletched them up. I did a straight clamp. Uh, I think it's like one to two degrees offset to the left. That's the other thing. I followed my own words, my own advice. I shot them bare, watched the direction they turn, fletched them in that direction. I don't think it matters so much with a field arrow, but, you know, a little bit helps. I think, yeah, that's a good, that's a good build there. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, How do you have your carbon ones built? Um, mine are going to the right. Uh-huh. Because I actually didn't knock tune mine. And you're just shooting them straight out. Yeah. And the, the Well, thing- in, in all honesty, like, uh, I, I feel like, uh, I'm not trying to sound like an Easton fanboy or nothing, but, like, uh, Easton, I don't think, has done a good enough job, like, explaining, like, their technology and how they build the Carbon Arrow. Right, because they build their carbon. They build their carbon uh, differently than everybody else. So, and they build it in such a way that um, when when they when they wrap the carbon or however they do the carbon onto the mandrel, they build that arrow to an exact diameter. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, no seam in the carbon, mm-hmm. um, which translates to more consistent spine. Uh-huh. Arrow uh huh. Arrow to arrow, yeah. Arrow to arrow. And it also leads to, like, a more consistent uh, weight. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know? they so, do advertise that. You know, because... Uh, so if you bought... I'm going to use, a, like, the bread and butter uh, arrow as an example, which is an axis arrow for, like, okay. for hunting. Like, if you bought an axis arrow, 
10 years ago and then you bought one today, you wouldn't have to worry about a drastically difference in weight, meaning you wouldn't need to have a weight code because right. the batch the batches are very um, consistent from, from batch to batch when you build an arrow that way. So, mm-hmm. And I don't think they like done a great job of advertising that because that's like a huge thing. So, so for many years, like, you know, I'd be, you know, when I was first starting out, I'd be like, why doesn't Easton make it a .001? Or why don't they make like a carbon one that's a .001? And like in their head, they're going, well, we already have a perfect arrow and that's like the X10, mm-hmm. right? But not everyone can afford that, right? Right. And so I think like- How about a more entry level ish? And then, arrow? and what was explained to me was, well, even if you have an arrow that's a .003, like what's more important for accuracy is consistency in the spine and less, and less about, you know, straightness tolerance. But when they're building like one arrow to one in one, in one range, like- uh-huh. Like you end up getting more like there's O ones in that batch, right? You know they're just not sorting them, you know. So you have the probability of getting a better arrow uh-huh. at that price point when they just you know build them and ship them as opposed to like sorting all those arrows out because right. then you actually do have a a difference. Like if you yeah. had O sixes, O threes, and O ones, you know. No, I think you start, you start, because there's cost in, in sorting them, right? I think Jordan was crushing with that arrow because he yeah, was he leaning. just that. I mean, he was leaning on that. The spine was going to be solid. He cut the wobbly ends off, if any. Yeah, and, and that's it. the other thing, too. You can always cut from, like you said, you can cut from both ends. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and like. Now, so with that spine indexing thing that I'm doing, that I'm shooting, you know, to find the bias in the arrow, I should say that I listened to an old podcast where George Riles is debating with Tim Gillingham because Tim Tim Gillingham says and you do got, this because you got two like freaking extremely knowledgeable dudes there. Yeah, Tim Gillingham says do this. You are finding the stiff point in that arrow and you're biasing them all one direction. George Riles says no. He says what you're actually finding is an inconsistency in the tolerance of your knock pin bushing. So. You know, whatever you go with, whoever you want. Both guys believe that it does matter. Like you, you can get a benefit. Whatever you're finding, there. You know, they don't quite know yet. But both of these guys are, you know, damn near scientists when it comes to this kind of stuff. So if if they didn't do archery and were like tasked with like getting to Mars, like we'd been, we'd be to Mars. Like we'd be on Mars. We'd, we'd be living on we'd Mars. We'd be shooting. We'd be shooting. Uh, tournament archery <laughs> on Mars right now. <laughs> Space bitches. <laughs> but actually, I think they're both right on that one. It could be. It well, could be. But if they're it, both right, then you're you're aligning two things. Yeah. You're, you're so, and, and here's the thing, because there's another like brilliant mind in all of this archery talk. Not the website, but just in, and that's uh, Scott Bomar. Uh-huh. Right. Um, not not Josh Bomar. Not the not the guy who spears uh, a bear. Who can uh, bench press one hundred and fifty thousand pounds? Uh, and he's a, he's badass by the way. Uh, talking shit. Just he's he's a cool dude. Man, kill a bear but, with a butter knife, and then I'll dude, be impressed. He did. I mean, that guy. He, <laughs> he did it. Like he's he's pretty badass. All right, but go on. Anyways, Scott Bomar made a tool that um, you can put on your pin bushing. And straighten them like so. He made he machined a, a tool that you can put on any pin bushing uh-huh. and make them straight. So like both those guys are right. So like you know oh, you you can you straighten right. the aluminum you you, stru- you straighten the pin bushing, uh-huh. right? And then and then uh, you knock tune the arrow, mm-hmm. right? Now do those two things and 
you've eliminated yeah, like two variables. You're not fucking yourself. You're just helping yourself. Yeah, because then it's not a like Tim, Scott. Tim is right, or it's not like Tim is right, George is wrong, or vice right. versa. One or the other. It's like they're both right. You know, um, there's, Scott, because there there's got to be like a tolerance in yeah. those components. True. You know, I mean, they cost like what fifteen bucks for uh-huh. a dozen. Like, uh-huh. you, you spend fifteen dollars on these little components. But then you're spending like two hundred dollars on a dozen, you know, like arrows. Whether it's a victory or a gold tip, you know, they're all good arrows, you know. So, you know, but you're basically spending all this extra money on all this stuff, and then and then if you don't pay attention to that little component, well, you just you basically bought a Lamborghini and you put Costco tires on it. <laughs> That's such a good analogy, Scott. Also, with that that knock alignment tool. He also makes something that I don't know if it plugs into or something or another, but you can like pluck your spine and it will align. It basically will find. He's got a uh, he's got a tool like a spine alignment tool that finds the natural flex plane of the arrow. Yeah, I have a couple. And well, so, we have a couple buddies that have used this and they're like, yeah, this thing. And is he the actually shit. rents it to people, or you can buy it. If you buy it, it's really expensive because the tool requires a special, like um, a collet or call, something. Yeah, call it for each actual arrow so like if you have like he has to make like this like two three hundred dollar call it for 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 each arrow and each arrow diameter so mm-hmm. like if you have like three different outer diameters he's got to come up with, with he's got to make one for each one so 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 it's it could be very expensive for somebody to buy it so like he also i know rents it out but like essentially if you use his tool it finds that natural flex plane of the arrow so when you go sh- do your knock tuning you still have to shoot those bear shafts, but you're only testing two sides instead mm. of having to test multiple sides. So it cuts down your the time your, that you got to fuck around with all that. Yeah, it cuts down your 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 time like substantially. For people that don't don't know, Scott Bomar is like a mad scientist, machinist, engineer, uh, and badass archer on top of it. Yeah, he there was the time where he felt archery manufacturers didn't make bows good enough so he had to like build his own i seen him he had like, um like this is back in like the like back in the 80s and 90s like oh he dude was, he's even modified modern bows i don't want to like downplay or like put down any company names but he um he modified a blank 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 supra by making a, a cage and turning it into a shoot-through riser yeah that was badass i mean honestly like like every every company has their strengths and every company has their weaknesses and it's like if you had to make like the most perfect bow it would cost like ten thousand it'd be a million dollars you know because if you buy <laughs> i mean you buy a set of bearings right it's like well the difference between like you know a, a five cent bearing and a bearing that costs a dollar is like millions of dollars i'm sure in production i, I don't know that's not if scott made a bow i would so get my grubby paws but on yeah you know, scott's kind of an interesting guy because he actually makes uh you know upgraded components for stuff but i, I don't know i think we're getting sidetracked here but mm-hmm. sponsor uh, me b- sponsor to, me scott no, no, if back, you're out there if you listen to, to this back to arrows it's like yeah <laughs> like there, there's there's things that that make sense that have to you know i mean i i think part of the re- that's part of the reason why a lot of guys for indoor shoot the s knock the super knock the s knock instead Why's that? of or a biter knock on their like twenty seven twelves and don't put a pin bushing in there. Oh those. yeah, well you know I like, think there's more to that than just that even. I think oh you, yeah I'm sh- yeah for sure. I think you put a pin bushing in and now you're you're I think uh, your X count just went down if you did that. Well, I I think that I don't know. I've seen guys shoot badass scores with a gold tip with a pin bushing, but uh, 
I feel like if you go pin knock, but there's I, more I bet like you twenty bucks. Like a guy at that level is 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 shooting a super knock. They're listening to Tim, and I'm sure they're they're really making sure that their stuff is like. Let me ask you: Why don't we use super knocks on field arrows? Um, I don't. You know what? I think probably because we wouldn't have any arrows left. <laughs> well, anyway, let's get out there and fling some arrows, and we'll finish this podcast on our drive home. All right, man. Peace. That will conclude this evening's entertainment.